Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. This is Missions Week that we're launching right now. Uh, And so uh, this service is gonna be a a little bit, a little bit unique. I'm going to uh, hopefully, I'm just here to maybe build your faith uh, towards next week and the weeks and the weeks uh, coming uh, as we finish out this year. Also, kind of maybe just uh, set set some uh, some focus on some things as well. Um, before I jump into that, matter of fact, you can go to the book of Luke, chapter uh, 10. I'm going to also read from Luke 19, but mostly Luke chapter 10, if you want to go there. While you're turning there, I want to um, recognize a young couple in this church that uh, is celebrating an anniversary, uh, I, I think, this week. Um, and so, Angel and Maria Merced, I think you might be here in this service. They're celebrating 70 years of marriage, 7 0. I'm getting, stand up, guys, if you, or wave at me. Where are you? Okay. Okay. Oh, there you are. Awesome. Down in the front. Isn't that awesome? Love you guys. Yeah. Just, I mean, just married 70 years. That's all. We're, we're, we can't wait to celebrate 70 more. That's, that's incredible. Uh, thanks for being an example to, to everybody. Uh, the power of marriage. Um, so yeah, uh, let me read from this passage of scripture as we kind of are in this uh, missions week. I'll tell you now, next week is our miracle offering and we're believing for the largest offering, a single day of offering we've ever had as, as a church next uh, Sunday morning, uh, one week from today, our Kingdom Builders miracle offering. You, I'm so glad to have uh, Jonathan Barrett with us uh, this today in this service and hear about what Project Rescue is doing. So honored that we would get to partner with a, such a pivotal uh, ministry. So that's one of our end of year focus projects. We'll, we'll tell you more. There's some more uh, end of the year projects that we'll be talking about. Um, and uh, I'll tell you more about our goal as we end this year uh, through Kingdom Builders. And, and um, as I talk a little bit about Kingdom Builders, it's just good because some of you are new, you come, you come into the church and maybe today's your first time or maybe you've come in the last couple of weeks. Let me just explain what Kingdom Builders is really quick. It's not an outside organization. Uh, Kingdom Builders is you. Kingdom Builders is a group of people that decided to, uh, above the tithe, uh, to, to, to step into the lane of generosity in order to, to be a part of uh, changing the world. Um, and that's what, listen, I, I hear, hear the heart of this house. Um, we believe that um, we're called to reach this city. And uh, I, I love it, man. And we're doing it every day. I love it that when you guys are inviting people to church or you're praying with somebody at work or you're telling somebody about the Lord in your neighborhood, like I love it. We're, we're seeing disciples added to the kingdom daily. I love it. I, I love reaching this city. But we are also called to impact this world. Okay? That's just part of who we are around here. Does anybody want to change the world together? Anybody want to be a part of that? Yeah, that's what we're called to. And uh, so we're going we're gonna to focus on that a, a little bit today. Um, kind of where we get that from ultimately is, is, is Jesus, Luke chapter 19. This is the ver- I'll just read one verse, and then we're going to go to Luke 10, like I said. Verse 10 of Luke chapter 19, For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. We just share that calling. 
to seek and save that which is lost. It might be here in this city. It might be in a place of the world that you'll never go to, uh, but you can be a part of, of sending light there. Let's read Luke chapter 10 as we talk about hope for the nations today. Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 37. If you're there, give me one more amen. All right, here we go. It's on the screen behind me. On, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. And this, uh, this uh, expert in the law said, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, it's important to notice that all of this conversation that's coming launched with this question of, hey, what does salvation look like? What does it look like uh, when I am on my way to heaven? That's the, that's the beginning of this, of this whole talk that happens. And so uh, Jesus says, well, what's written in the law? How do you read it? So this expert in the law answers and says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So this expert in the law asked Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? Well, let's, let's do that. Like, I know I'm supposed to love my neighbor, but... Surely it's supposed to be just those that are close to me. And um, he said, who is my neighbor? And, and in reply, Jesus said, let me tell you this story. Jesus said, tells him a story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes. They, they beat him. They went away, leaving him half dead. And a priest happened to be going down the same road. Oh, good, a priest will help. And when he came, when he saw the man, he passed to the other side of the road. So to a Levite, when he came, he, he comes to the place, and he sees the man. Oh, good, a Levite's going to do something. No, uh, the Levite, when he saw him, passed to the other side of the road. Verse 33, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, he came where the man was. That's missions. He came to where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him, and he, he went to him, and he bandaged his wounds and pouring oil and wine then he put the man on his own donkey. He brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. When I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses that you have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the expert of the law had to reply, it's the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. I want to speak for a few moments on our part in bringing hope to the nations and what our involvement might look like. Will you pray with me that God will just speak to you, Lord? Your word is, is good. It's enough. And I pray that you would speak to us so clearly today. And that's all yours anyway, God. And so we just pray, God, however you can use us, use us. Would you just whisper that to the Lord real quick? Lord, just use me however you can. Everything I have is yours. Use me, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 About, uh, it was probably like 15, 16, 17 years ago, something like that. Um, we had saved up some money as a family, and uh, we were able to uh, take our whole family on a cruise. And uh, man, it was so awesome. Um, way back then, and our, our kids were all younger. Matter of fact, I think I have a picture from that actual trip. That was, look at the, look at the joy on those faces. Uh, that's what happens when you go to the Windjammer buffet, and it's just like, you know, donuts. That's what they decided. Every meal was just donuts. Like, whatever. Like, so, so that was a couple days into the trip. Let me tell you what happened on the first day of the trip. We get on this massive boat, 
We set sail, and the kids, man, they wanted to go look around at different stuff. And so we said, okay, stay together, and then we'll meet you back here. My wife and I just kind of stayed in one spot, have a little romantic moment, let the kids go, and just we were staring into each other's eyes. It was beautiful. Well, about a half hour, hour later, two of the kids come back, just two out of the five. And so uh, we said, oh, yeah. And they said, yeah, the rest of them are still over there. We said, okay. And then here comes two more of them back. So now we got four out of five. You go, Pastor, that's a solid B minus. That's good for parenting. That's how we kind of, that's how we approach most of our parenting. If you got four out of five, you're doing a pretty good job. The problem was the one that we were missing was the youngest. He was probably like, I don't know, four years old at the time, three years old at the time. Uh, and he was the one that was, wasn't back. And I look at the two that had just walked up. And I said, where's Ashton? I said, he's with the other two. I said, he's not, obviously, because the other two are right here. And he's not, why was that? He was with him. No, he was with them. And now the, the two pairs of uh, older kids are pushing off the responsibility. And at that moment, can I tell you everything changed? Like my priorities changed in that moment. My direction changed in that moment. My plans changed in that moment. I went from rest and relaxation to rescue mode in a moment. Why? Because my son was lost. And uh, we, 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 we start to search everywhere. We're going everywhere. We're asking all, every single person we can find um, if they've seen a, a, a little guy. And so uh, we got employees that are radioing each other. And they say, is he, is he little blonde hair, curly? I said, I think that's probably him. They said, oh, come on. They take us down to this one area. And uh, there's some workers down there. We, we get to Ashton. Uh, he's down there just having the time of his life. They've given him stuffed animals and toys and hats. And he's like, hey. He's want to introduce us to his new friends that he's met. He had no idea how lost he was. <laughs> there are people on this planet that have no idea how lost they are. And somebody has to change their direction. Somebody has to change their priorities. You see, when, when someone on this planet is in a place that maybe there's very little light, we're a little bit spoiled here in America with churches on every corner, but there are parts of the world that have very little gospel or no gospel presentation at all. And when someone is there and they're lost, can I tell you, the heart of God feels like my heart in that moment. Where my son, it's his son, his daughter, and they're lost and sometimes they don't even know it. So what we're praying is saying, God, will you, will, you give me just a, will you give me just a part of that heart so that it'll change my direction, so that it'll, it'll alter my priorities, it'll, it'll mess with my passions. If we're ready to be a part of God's answer to a lost world, that's, that's, that's the heart of, of your church, Faith, is, is to be a part of the answer for the lostness of this world then first of all, we would say this to God. We said, God, would you make me aware? That would be a prayer. God, just make me aware of what's going on. See, in verse 33, this Samaritan, as he comes on this scene, he doesn't cross the road. He doesn't stay in, in blissful ignorance. No, he doesn't. He travels. He, he comes to where the man was. That's the, that's the mission's uh, expression there. He comes to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. Can I tell you what Jewish teachers of the law used to teach? They used to teach, love your neighbor as long as they are of the same nation and same religion of you, as you. That's why when this guy says to Jesus, well, then who's my neighbor? This is what they used to teach. You love your neighbor, but you don't have to love Gentiles. You have to jump in and help somebody, but you don't have to help them because they're not of your nation and they're not of your religion. 
Well, that's, that's not how we function. No, we're going we're gonna to go across whatever line we got to go across. We're going to reach out to distances, whatever distance we got to reach, so that somebody can know we, that's why we exist, is to help people encounter Jesus here and also to make an impact on this nation, help people encounter Jesus everywhere. It was in this, in this very, very tense like national, political, racial climate that Jesus tells this story of this Samaritan who would be the last person to cross the lines. The last person to go help somebody that was outside of, of their nationality, outside of their religion, outside of their racial divide. And yet this person does it. This person is made aware of a situation. Nothing in the world is more dangerous than sincere ignorance. And sometimes we just go, well, I don't even know what's going on in the world. Sometimes we like that. Sometimes in some parents, they like ignorance. <laughs> some parents will be like, I don't even want to know what my kids are up to. Don't even tell me what you're doing. Like sometimes at work, some boss, some conversation will be happening, and then some boss will say, don't, I didn't hear that. It's this thing of like, well, ignorance sometimes works to our good. It doesn't. You know, there's a lot of Christians, I think about 70% of Christians, that don't understand just how lost this world is. Do you know that four out of five Christians, or I'm sorry, four out of five non-Christians in the world are outside of the, uh, out, of, uh, uh, out of the gospel being presented in a, in a normal, average, common way? In other words, like the way I talked about with you just talking to a neighbor or talking to a coworker, praying for somebody, four out of five non-Christians in the world, that's not going to happen. They're not going to be reached in just a normal evangelistic Christian type of way. And we got to be aware of such things. Seven and a half billion people in the world, over three billion of them are Muslim, Hindu, and Buddhist in areas that are less than, some are, some with almost zero evangelical witness, most of those areas less than 2% Christian. Like, like unless, unless somebody decides to be aware of the need, aware of, of the need of, 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 of girls that are, are being trafficked, I'm so thankful that we get to partner with a ministry like this and be made aware of a need all around the world that we can be a part of. What a privilege it is to be made aware of the need. So we pray, say, God, make me aware. As we talk about being a hope a part of the hope for the nations and part of God's answer to lostness, we also would pray this, Lord, help me to care, that we would be willing to care. If you're taking some notes, that you maybe would jot that down. Because when this Samaritan, when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went and he bandaged up his wounds, he pouring oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey and he brought him to an inn. And look at this word, he took care of him. Could have been afraid of, of, of caring, actually. Put himself in danger, this Samaritan did. It's a dangerous road. This guy has been robbed and beaten and left for half dead. If the Samaritan stops in this and tries to help, the same could happen to him. So he could have been afraid to even, even show concern, afraid to even care at all. And I think fear a lot of times keeps, matter of fact, that's probably the number one obstacle against kind of answering the call of God and, and living in the will of God. It's probably fear. I know, I believe it, and I know that there's a lot of forces out there. I know that there's devils and demons and principalities and powers that are working against, but I think that probably the number one hindrance to the will of God happening is probably internal. It's in us, it's fear. 
We're afraid of what it looks like if we care. We're afraid of what it looks like if we listen to God or say yes to God. Oh, God's going to send me some foreign land that I don't want to go. Can I tell you, every missionary I've ever talked to, it's not like that. It's that they cannot wait to go and answer the call that God has stirred in their heart. You just have to get over the fear. Don't be afraid to care. Sometimes it's not fear. Sometimes it's because we care about so many other things. And it's hard to have any room left to care about what God cares about. Right outside my, my neighborhood, is leaving us right down the street from here, actually. And there's a couple um, retention ponds right outside the, uh, the, when you're pulling out of the neighborhood. And two different days in the last week, we've been pulling out or pulling in. And we've seen bald eagles, two of them, circling around uh, the, the water. And we're like, oh, my goodness, they're so beautiful. I can't believe, what are they doing here? And then we noticed the first day, what they were doing here, there was a mama duck and about eight or ten little ducklings. I know. <laughs> Very sad. And that, those eagles were going, and they were going after the ducklings. And every time the eagle would start to go down, the ducklings would duck under the water, and the mama duck would try to lean over and try to protect. And so we're seeing this happen, and we, I kind of, I actually get out of the car and watch it for a second, and my wife's going, oh, no, not the ducklings. I said, but what about the poor eagles? What will they eat? I was, I was just kidding. I was brokenhearted too. And it happened again. Yesterday we were pulling out of the neighborhood. It happened again. She said, no, not the ducklings. And it's just like, it's so funny how it's like wired in. It's just to care about so many different things. And listen, I'm not saying we shouldn't care about the ducklings, the little, the little cute little ducklings. I'm not saying we shouldn't care about that. What I'm saying is this, that the enemy would love for you to get so caught up in caring about so many other things that are so much less important than a man's soul. Yeah, it's true. And sometimes we can care about, we can start to care about our, our reputation. We can start to care about the car that we drive or we care about the house that we live in or we care about how fashionable we look or we care about what, we could start to care about so many other things that we just don't have any room left to care about the things of God. I just, I just want us to be a people that says, God, help me to care about what you care about. And if that means some other things have to go down, if some other things have to fall off the list, so be it. See, the story that Jesus tells, it changes from a phrase like, what should I do to help? That's a good question to ask. Like, what should I do to help? But this story changes it to a question more like this. What could I do to help? I mean, when I become aware of this and when I really start to care about it, what could I do? How many, how many girls could get rescued? How many children could get fed? How many, how many Bibles could get translated into different languages? These are the things we start to ask ourselves when we start to let God care through us. And finally, we would also pray and say, God, call me then also to share. That we would be eager to share. Verse 35, the next day he took out two denarii. That was a, uh, 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 it was money. And he gives it to the innkeeper and he says, look after him and when I return, I'll, re I'll reimburse you for any, any extra expenses. This guy gives the initial offering and then he also makes a little faith promise. Says, I'm coming back and I'll keep giving. I'm gonna give more. 
We think about money. Money can do so many evil things. Money drives people to do evil things. We think about money being dirty. We, think about, we talk about money being the root of all evil. It's not the love of money. It's greed. Love of money is the root of evil. Money's not. You realize the money that you have, and in this story, like this Samaritan's money was part of the mending process. The money actually brought the mending And it is the same for us. The money that God has trusted you with, it's not just dirty, filthy money. No, that money is somebody else's miracle. It can be. I mean, I can use my money for whatever I want to use it on. But sometimes when I care, sometimes when I become aware, and look at the order. Look at the order that we talk about sharing in this story. It starts with being aware of the need. It moves then to caring about it. And if I'm aware of a need and I care about a need, I don't mind sharing towards a need. I don't feel anything. I mean, like, of course I want to be a part of the solution. Of course I want my money to be somebody else's miracle. That's, that's why we do kingdom builders. That's why, that's why we, we believe we're called to impact the nations, to, to fund ministries that are that are seeing miracles happen in people's lives. Let me tell you what we're doing here at the end of the year for Kingdom Builders. Next week will be the kind of formal kickoff of that. Some people have already given towards this this end of the year goal, but between November 12th, next Sunday's miracle offering, largest offering we've ever seen we're believing for, um, between November 12th and the end of the year, we're believing to see given towards Kingdom Builders $750,000 between then and the end of the year. Now, amen. What's even better than that is that will put us over the two mil, well over the $2 million mark given to Kingdom Builders just in a partial year this year. Come on, put your hands together for that. Amen. The cool thing is, this is our inaugural year at Kingdom Builders. We're just, we're just learning. We're just figuring this thing out. We didn't even do it a full year. We started in, in April with, that, uh, with that, 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 that project where we were changing the map in, uh, in, in Central Asia. And, and, uh, and so uh, we, we, we started out with $250,000 towards that unreached people. Uh, and so uh, we've been doing this for just a partial year, and we're believing that uh, between November 12th and the end of the year, that is our, our goal, and it's going to take all of us. We go, is, is Kingdom Builders, so it's for the, the wealthy people to, to give? No, Kingdom Builders is just for the people who have a heart after God. It's the people who, who want to be generous. It's the generous people, not the wealthy people. It's the obedient people, not the wealthy people. And maybe God would put something significant on your life for this end of year goal. Maybe some of you are going to be like the Samaritan. You'll give some now and then you'll also say, but I'm going to continue to give this year. Some of you in this room might be like a, a gap closer mentality. And as we give updates going to the end of the year, some of you might hear those numbers and you go, okay, how much do you need to, to hit that goal? And maybe that's how God will give you the number to be involved in that. I don't know if everybody will give the same amount. Obviously, we could spread that out between all of us equally, and the number would be pretty small if all of us got involved. I don't know if everybody's going to give the same amount, but I'm praying this, that we would all give the same sacrifice, that we would all catch the same heart. I am praying that, that we would, we talked at the early part of the year about a plan where we just sit down and go, God, here's God, here's what I could do if it was just, I look at my budget, this is what I can do, that's the plan. We talk about plan, vision, dream, and then vision is we go, well, God, if you get involved, I could maybe do this. That's where you kind of step outside of the, of the 
of the plan. And you go, well, with God's help with vision, I could do this. And then we talked about a dream that each one of us, maybe as a family, maybe as a single, that we would say, God, what would be the wildest, what would be the dream amount that I could give in a year to kingdom builders? And we, we kind of went through that journey a little bit in, in uh, February, March. We'll go through that journey again at the start of the year this year. But that's what I'm praying will happen. There are about 2 billion Christians in the world. About 10% of those are in this country. About 200 million Christians in this country. But represented in the Christians in this country is 80% of Christian wealth is represented here. So who, who will fund the Great Commission? Who will share? Well, we, we, we get to, we will. I want to show you a video, and then after that video, we're going to have a moment where we hear from God. And the, the, the close of this service is so pivotal, it's so important. And I want us all to be involved in it. I want you to watch this video and then, and then hang, and we're going to, we'll, we'll let out on time, but I want, to, I want us to have a moment where we hear from God. But, but check this video out, one of our young couples in their journey uh, with kingdom builders and with giving. Isaac and I met at college and we met at Southeastern and two of my roommates at the time went to faith and they introduced us. I had to make it a point to somehow get in the same room as Greta to eventually <laughs> meet her. Um, and then the rest was history. Got married in 2020 during the height of COVID. Later on, we did eventually have a wedding um, where we got to celebrate with friends and family. We've been married since three years three in years. August. I would say my journey with tithing kind of started, honestly, when we started dating. I feel like I was very like scared of like money and just really had to tie. I was like, I was very good at saving. I was like, I'm gonna save every single penny I have. Like, I don't have enough, I don't have enough room for tithing. Like, yeah. I don't make enough money to tithe. That's how I felt in college. And kind of Isaac teaching me more about tithing too, because I didn't really know that much about it. The blessings that God brings you and just like stewarding your money well and like the sacrifice that you give to God and just all in that conversation. I haven't stopped tithing since. Yeah. My journey um, for tithing was was more of a thing where we learned at such a young age that this is what we do. And so any Christmas we ever got cash or whatever, we would always kind of learn to do that first. But I feel like I didn't really like understand the like aspects of giving until a year before we got married. Like where I wasn't tithing because I had to. I had some experience in the uh, clothing manufacturing industry. And so I came to Greta and I was like, hey, I think we need to start a clothing brand. And eventually came on the name The Beach Club. And that's kind of been our brand since. So last year, Kingdom Builders got announced. We just knew that we wanted to be a part of Kingdom Builders. We wanted, we, yeah, we knew we wanted to contribute in some sort of way, but didn't know what. The beginning of the year, I feel like we didn't necessarily pray for like a dollar amount or anything like that with our business. We just decided that we wanted to like be more generous and like pray for generosity for people to come into our life that we can be generous to, to just be generous in all ways. I feel like within this last year, part of our story is we decided to, that we wanted to give 5% of our sales to Kingdom Builders. The 5% of sales is in and of itself a scary yeah. like thing to do because yeah. 
5% of sales and 5% of profit are two way different things. The challenging part of giving the 5% was I'm a big saver. I like to save my money. I like to have, I like to be able to like look at it in my account and be like, okay, it's safe. It's there. Like in case anything happens, you know, part of that was like, well, we're, we're going to give some of that little safe fund away to um, kingdom builders. But I know that giving above and beyond is just like, a sacrifice and just like, yeah, no, I trust God with my finances, with my life, like with everything. And so um, this was just kind of another way for us to, you know, step out in faith. It was really like a whole week span where it was like, okay, that scary amount. Yeah. I got a huge return at work. Our beach club sales did really well. And it's not even like it's about that, but it's kind of just like, I feel like God showing his kindness to us. Yeah. In that safe safety net, he's like, hey, let me be safety. that safety net yeah. in your life as opposed to this amount of money that you need. He's like, give me that and then let me show you. And that's kind of like what we did where it was like in our tithing and kingdom building, it's like God does more with that 10% than we could ever do by ourselves. And yeah. so within that, a penny above tithing is now kingdom builders. Yeah. And so and they look different for everyone. And they look dif different for everyone. For us, it was a 5% of our sales. For someone else, it could be a dollar. Um, but watch what God does with that dollar. Mm -hmm. That's the that's the crazy part is like, I, I'm never going to put a like damper on what I think God can do yeah, with there's no limit. a little amount of money, you know, or a big amount of money. And so if you're on the fence with Kingdom Builders, that's what I would tell you is, Just hey, step out in faith, even God. with a dollar. We get to see yeah. where this money is going um, every week. If we can just be a small part in in all of that, then you know that's why we, we do Kingdom Builders. Yeah. That's kind of why we even do our jobs. And there's a little bit of purpose in, in that, so. Amen. And I know, I know there are a lot of stories like that. I also am celebrating there's a lot of stories coming like that. As we just, as we just say, God, just, just take my heart. That's what this is about. It's about the heart. David Livingstone, one of the pioneer early missionaries to Africa, estimated he walked, he walked 29,000 miles over his life. His wife, she passed away on the mission field early in their ministry. When he, Late in life, they're trying to get him back to civilization because he needed medical care. He's like, I'm not going back. I'm a missionary through and through. They end up finding him at 60 years old. Some of the people in the village go to his tent. He's there on his knees in position of prayer, but he passed away. If you go to London's Westminster Cathedral, there's a site, a, a, a monument there. That's where his body's buried, but his, his heart is not there. Literally before his body got shipped back to, to London, they cut his heart out and buried it in Africa. On his instructions, he said, my heart has always been here and my heart will stay here. That's what he had written in his journal. Here's my question. It's like, just where's your heart? And I don't know if any of us can say, no, God has 100% ownership, his mission. That's, I don't know if any of us can say that. Maybe some of us can I can say this, so let's all pray that God would have more. Let's pray that God would have more of our heart. This is a heart message today. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. 
Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.